Well, good evening live from Thousand Oaks with DeMarco Farr. I am J.B. Long, and we're joined by the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. The Rams are at 5-4. and four. They're home for the first time in over a month to face the Chicago Bears in primetime this Sunday. I guess that's the good news to start this week. No airplanes. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to be back at home and uh, see if we can have a good week of preparation, get ready to roll against the Bears. i got to find my media pass. We've been gone so long, right? <laughs> I don't know how to get to the Coliseum. I forgot how to. Start with your yeah. parking pass and yeah, then that your credential. Too. Yeah, yes. man. Uh, happy to be home, right? It's going to be fun to be in front of your own crowd. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think what's what's great about football is, especially after a performance like that where defense did some good stuff, um, offensively not nearly good enough, some special teams, things that we can learn from. I think, you know, to be able to get yourself, uh, you know, gathered together as a team and figure out a way to just try to uh, rebound from yesterday's performance is something that we're excited about, and that's what you love about this game. We'll spend a ton of time on that topic, of course, but uh, how about a nod to the Steelers' defense to begin? I mean, in a great environment, a defense that features 10 former first-round selections, pretty imposing last night. Yeah, they did a great job, you know, and that was something that they had done a really good job of, especially, you know, in the streak that they had started and uh, forced a lot of turnovers, were able to get home with a four-man rush in a lot of instances, played aggressive on some of the early downs, and... Um, you know, to their credit, they made a lot of plays yesterday. You creased them a bunch, though, on the ground. There were some good hits. Chances, yeah, yeah we, you know, we did. And, and um, you know, I, I think there's some things when you just look back at it, you say probably should have gotten to those things a little bit more. Uh, we got to continue to eliminate the self-inflicted wounds. You know, some of those penalties on early downs, uh, being more efficient when we do go to the air, and, and those are things that we'll look to uh, to improve on moving forward. Four giveaways, 10 penalties for 95 yards, and I guess adding injury to insult, uh, the roll call getting pretty long this week, Coach. What's the latest? It is. Uh, you know, up front we're going to have some injuries. Brian Allen's going to be out for the year. It's unfortunate for him because he's worked so hard and he's really continued to progress as this season has gone on. Uh, so you hate that for him with all the work that he's put in. And then also uh, Rob Havenstein at right tackle is going to miss a couple weeks. Uh, both those guys had knee injuries. Uh, you know, Obviously, Brian's going to require surgery. Won't know the entire extent of it until they get in there and, and, and figure out exactly what needs to all be cleaned up. Uh, but he is going to have to require season-ending surgery. And then Rob's going to have a couple weeks. Uh, he got his meniscus a little bit. Uh, so that's going to force some guys to step up and, um, you know, really got a chance to evaluate some of them yesterday. And we'll look to uh, figure out exactly what that best five lineup looks like for us going into the Bears. And, and you love the opportunity to figure out how to get it done and, and put your players in good spots. And you kind of relish these uh, these challenges when they do present themselves. Well, now that he's done, I thought Brian Allen was getting better and better and better each and every week. Yeah. A little it, feisty guy in there. He yeah. was. And, and, and that's what's unfortunate to Marco because he had put so much work in and you saw him work through some things. And I think he continued to improve. He got more comfortable making the calls, the, the mastery of the communication that's entailed inside. But Austin Blythe seamlessly transitioned inside there. Uh, Austin Corbett on short notice in a, in a couple weeks just having been here. Did a nice job at the left, left guard spot. David Edwards continues to ascend at right guard. And then he actually had to finish the game up at right tackle uh, when you saw Coleman Shelton come in at the right guard. So it was a Rolodex of guys. But we make no excuses. We've got to figure out a way to, to, to do better collectively as a unit. And, um, you know, it's it's a challenge, and it's it's one that we'll fully embrace. With Sean McVay, I'm J.B. Long, and Marco Farr with us at Cal Lutheran tonight as well, uh, with Brian Allen presumably hitting IR shortly, and then you mentioned Bryce Hager heading that direction mm. at the end of last week. Does that give you two roster spots to work with this week? It does, and, and that's something that we're going to figure out exactly how we want to utilize those uh, because we do have a couple guys, you know, really one in particular on the practice squad that you do need to have a full 53. Otherwise, uh, you know, you end up having to lose him, so we don't want to have that 
situation come up. So we'll look to uh, probably add two guys. And in terms of uh, offensive linemen, I mean, practice squad and the street are your only options at this stage, right? We're past the trade deadline. That's right. Yeah. And and that's kind of what we've looked at. Uh, there's a couple guys that, that we feel like in-house are possible candidates to pull up from the practice squad. And, and those are things that are ongoing discussions right now. I mean, uh, who's on the street that's worthy i guess you know i mean wouldn't they be someplace yeah i mean I, I, that's I, tough there's to say. always yeah. some guys out there you yeah. know and less and his group do an excellent job of kind of keeping uh an, an open eye on what those things look like you ideally want to be able to find somebody that's played recently so you have some tape to evaluate and they're probably in better shape but i think we'll probably be more inclined to use uh, all right if somebody on the roster wire you know if somebody hits the waiver wire that's maybe been on a, a roster recently comes available or just you know using our practice squad to upgrade somebody it's impressive, man. I mean, watching Austin Blythe have to switch over to center. You got to do it. And then Dave Edwards having to move spots and do it seamlessly, you know, within a series yeah. and not miss a beat. I thought that was impressive. They did a good job, you know, and, and there was some things that, you know, we got to change up and you got to be cognizant of, all right, what are some of the issues that you know, a defense like Pittsburgh presents with some of the matchups and different things that you have to be aware of. But I thought those guys handled the situation uh, like pros, and that's what you expect. Sean, our first time to talk to you since the unfortunate concussion that Brandon Cook suffered in London. What's the latest on Brandon and how that's progressing? Yeah, so he's doing really well. You know, I I think there's a narrative out there that, you know, that – there's this, you know, there's a concern of what does this look like moving forward. He's really checked out, and he's had all the things that you want to check the box in terms of uh, asymptomatic, all those types of things. Uh, it's more of a of, of an issue of us just being as smart as possible with this. But he's 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 going to practice this week. He's going to miss this game, and then we expect him if if everything goes according to plan to be able to play in the following week. That's a tough deal. Um, I mean, I just wonder for you as a play caller when you have a guy like that, do you back off some of those plays for him because you're afraid? of what might happen to him on the field or you have to leave that on the sideline when you go play yeah I, I think you you know you can't worry about that and, and I think you don't ever want him to play worrying about that you, certainly you want to be mindful of not putting your players in harm's way with some of your play selections but it's a physical game uh, and you're you're hopeful that everybody plays within the framework of the rules that are designed for the intent of safety but some of these collisions end up happening and it's such a, uh, a fast-paced sport where things happen so quickly uh, it, it is inevitable in some instances based on some of the plays and um, you do want to be careful of that, but I don't think you want to have to have a player or yourself as a play caller worried about that. You know, you just want to trust that they can go play with a quieted mind and not think about those things. We thought it would be this way, but whatever early season disconnect there was between Josh Reynolds and Jared Goff, knowing the role that he was going to be in against the Steelers and having that full week of preparation, it looked like it had in years past, didn't it? Yeah, and, and they, there was some, you know, there were some things where Josh made some nice plays, and, and he's got that range, he's got that length, he's got the ability to separate. But but really, as a whole. You know, I, I think you know all of our guys would tell you we expect to play better throughout, and and that performance yesterday is is going to be something that's not going to be winning football for us. And again, you don't take away from what the Steelers did uh, to put us in some of those situations to 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 force us to not playing as efficient as we would like. But uh, we make no excuses about it. We got to all play better, and we all got to do better. No matter how great they are, you you always can play better. Yes. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that uh, that you look at that you feel like are very f- fixable and correct. And, and really, it's it's just about going and doing it and, and not really having to talk too much about it. We just got to go get it done. All right, straight ahead, we'll dig into the heart of the matter. Uh, Todd Gurley's fourth quarter, Cooper Cup's lack of a reception, and Jared Goff with uh, more ball security issues. That's coming up next in segment number two of the Coach McVay Show, week 11 from Kyle Lutheran on ESPN LA 710. 
All right, looking forward to seeing you this weekend at the Coliseum in primetime. The Bears and the Rams. For now, we're in Thousand Oaks with Sean McVay. DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. Uh, Sean, I just watched you uh, go through the gauntlet with the local media about an hour ago with all the Todd Gurley questions. I hate to make you go through it again, but for the sake of our audience, uh, just to set it up. Uh, Todd averaged more than six yards per carry last yep. night. Uh, had one of his most successful drives running the football all season at the end of the third quarter, and then we didn't see him for the first two drives of the fourth, and didn't see him get a touch at all in that finishing quarter. Your thoughts on all of that taken together? Yeah, really. You know, no excuse. It, it didn't work out in an ideal situation, and if I could do it differently, then I, I would say that I would. And and I'll never claim to make all the right decisions. Uh, we do have a lot of confidence in Malcolm Brown. Todd did a great job. Uh, probably didn't anticipate with those first two drives of the fourth quarter that when that second drive that he was you know not playing on that drive starting at 12 and a half minutes going then the next time we would get the football would be with about two and a half minutes left and you're into the two minute mode where you're pretty much exclusively throwing the football uh when you're playing for a touchdown to win the game so um he did a great job uh and and again those are the things that never claim to be perfect and and i've certainly got to make sure that i'm accountable as a coach and, and looking inwardly at the things that you can learn from week in and week out uh from a selection you you know, standpoint and, and some of the decisions that you do make and what those consequences are. And then I think in a lot of those instances, it's having a better feel for the flow of the game and uh, probably should have uh, made sure to get him a little bit more involved in, in hindsight. I think we get that question more than anything, and I, I don't know. But the question is, you would want Todd on the field. He's one of your best players. Sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that that is the case. But then also, if you said, all right, when would you really want him to feel as good as possible? And if you feel like you're going to get a couple more possessions, you know that was kind of the thinking and then there is also a lot of confidence in Malcolm Brown with his opportunities that he's had this year he's demonstrated that he's a tough hard physical runner a player that's you know that's got a lot of confidence from his teammates from his coaching staff and um, you know really that's kind of what that that is is it's not anything that Todd didn't do it's a reflection of the confidence in the group but then also if you said uh, you know that would be the amount of possessions that you have in the fourth um, would you want to make sure that Todd's more involved the answer is Yes, I wish I had had him more involved. Now that you do have the full complement of running backs, and by that I mean Daryl Henderson's been in the game, he's up to speed, Malcolm Brown back from his injury, and, and Todd Gurley having the success that he had, can you tell us like just how you view their complementary skill sets and, and what in an ideal game plan the roles that they would play for your offense? Yeah, I think... Um you know, the, the, the hard thing is yesterday was really the first time that all three were up kind of and available since the time that Daryl has gotten a chance to play a little bit more. And really, he would miss the majority of the game where he was having some issues, um, you know, just, you know, working through some stuff. He had some temporary migraines where he was able to come back in, but it wasn't anything that, you know, uh, he couldn't have worked through, but it was kind of where you're able to make a decision that, all right, let's lean with these two guys. Um, and, and I think that's something that we're kind of continuing to work through. And, and most importantly, it's figuring out, especially now with some of the changes that we'll have up front. All right, what's the best way to run the football with our runners, but then also with alignment that we do have uh, blocking for some of these plays? And uh, it's been a great challenge. It's something that hasn't gone, uh, you know, perfectly by any stretch of the imagination. We've got to continue to do a great job of, of just working towards uh, finding solutions and then hopefully seeing those solutions show up uh, with the way that we play on uh, on Sunday starting against the Bears. I'm still sick. Malcolm had a 10-yard run taken back. Yes. Yeah, come on, man. That's 
That's big. That That's you. Big. That's and down in the red zone, that right? That was big. Yeah. That was a that was a, a timely penalty yeah. and very costly force and things that we just can't do. But you fought through it, though. You came through that penalty we did, later, right? You yeah. know, but you still say, all right, if you have a first down right outside the ten yard line with a chance to gain a first down, you know, different set of circumstances. Instead of you know, we end up overcoming that with Gerald getting the first down on the third down play. But you know, there's some instances where you know you just, you just we've got to avoid those types of things, and and those are the things that we'll focus on doing better. You know, the things that we can control pre-snap the coach McFay show is presented by in and out that's what a hamburger is all about live from cal luthan tonight with demarco Farr. i'm jb long a uh, cooper cup coming off a career performance weren't able to get the football successfully into his hands what percentage would you say sean credit to the pittsburgh defense clearly game planning for him and what percent of failure on the rams part uh, you know, I, I think it's a, co- a combination of both. There were some there were some situations where we thought this would be the case where they were doubling him, and that ends up giving you some isos elsewhere, and and that was part of the design coming in where guys got to win their isos, you know, in some other instances, and let Cooper kind of get an assist for them where he's drawn double coverage, and and then there were some opportunities where maybe we could have you know connected with him on a few and and just missed it. He draw the he drew the P, he drew the pi you know on the mm-hmm. on Beautiful. the deep crossing route that yeah. that we were trying to hit him on, so. I think it's it's a combination of both. It's kind of like Aaron Donald, right? If you're getting doubled, somebody else has got to win the one-on-one. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and he can certainly still he's still capable of doing that. But we've got more than enough guys that we feel very confident in that if they, if they're going to double Cooper and it's going to create an isolation elsewhere, um, you know, we we trust that those guys will win that, will find that ISO, uh, and we'll be able to you know make those plays. And those are things we have to do. I want. Does he get frustrated when he's seeing a lot of attention? I, I coach, I got two on me. No, no, yeah. he doesn't. I mean, he he has a big picture understanding of coverage contours he can see what's going on uh he's the epitome of a of a team player extremely selfless he just wants to see us play better overall as an offense and uh, i genuinely mean this when i say that he's one of those guys that sure i think everybody wants to do what they can to try to help the team and that means getting those touches but if we ended up winning that football game and it was a result of a lot of production came because cooper's drawing attention i think he would be extremely excited just because he's such a team guy Let's turn our attention to the quarterback position, and I want to start with a, a couple of competing schools of thought. There have been some think pieces out there uh, recently. Jeff Schwartz wrote one last week about the role the quarterback plays in protecting himself, right? It's not just about the five in front of you, your tailback. Where do you land on that in terms of the distribution of having quality linemen, obviously knowing and executing their assignments, but also having a quarterback who knows what to do and when to make sure he's not putting himself for the ball in jeopardy. I think it's huge. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time, you know, sacks in the pass game, it takes all 11. And everybody has a role and a contribution. I think linemen are oftentimes unfairly credited with those types of things. And, some, and in some instances, you know, it's almost like they take too much blame and then sometimes they might be given too much credit. So uh, everything, everybody has a role in that. Uh, the linemen being able to protect within the timing and rhythm, the quarterback being able to play within the timing and rhythm of whatever concept we activate, and then the uh, the tight ends, the receivers, and the backs, you know, being able to space the field. You know, we always talk about the good pass games operate with great spacing, timing, and rhythm, uh, and really that includes all 11 and their contribution to avoiding the sacks, the negatives, those types of things um, that, you know, can often lead to the negative plays and, and some of the bad things that, that, uh, that have oftentimes hurt us this season. I didn't think I'd see Blake Bortles. 
Yeah. I did. He ran the ball. Yeah. Was that part of the plan? It was, and it was really, you know, unfortunately we weren't in any really of those good third down situations early in the game. That was one of the first ones where we're in a third and in a shorter where you're in that three or less window, and that was something that we wanted to be able to get off, give us a little bit of a change up because uh, he's got the ability to run or throw it. Uh, he, You know, he's a guy that's done some things and kind of just looking for a way to get everybody involved. Uh, you know, you look at just different things. It wasn't anything about Jared. It was more of a compliment to Blake, uh, but you know that one didn't work out, and I think that's you know something that we can learn from. But but it that's that's really what it was more than anything else. Kind of goofy. I mean, it seemed like Jared took a shot, came out, Blake came in. Is Jared hurt? Yeah, no. It but was, it's kind of like a wildcat, right? You bring it wasn't yeah. even. But yeah. he's still your backup quarterback, yeah. so he's a threat to throw it. But he's got the athleticism, and and he's been utilized as a runner that can really put pressure on a defense. In a lot of instances, you might be able to gain a player back because you know most defenses in this league are predicated on playing eleven on ten because they don't account for the quarterback mm-hmm. as a runner. That's why you see the Wildcat or some of the zone read end up putting so much pressure on these defensive structures. And, um, you know, that was really kind of the thinking in that instance. And then Johnny Hecker takes the next snap. He did. <laughs> and that was, uh, you know, you guys are bringing up two good plays for us. Huh? <laughs> you, know, you know, those were those were two situations that, uh, you know, you say you got to do a better job of. And uh, ultimately, it's my responsibility to make sure that we're putting our players in those spots. And then I think they'll take the ownership and make sure that, all right, how can we execute better or how can we make better decisions mm-hmm. uh, when those do come up in the future? And I think if everybody has that mindset and mentality, it can be solution-oriented instead of, hey, it's not about any sort of blame. It's about let's just face this fix it, and then do it better the next time these things come up. I do want to finish with one more thought on Jared, though, because obviously depleted in front of him. Brandon Cook's not going to go again this weekend. And I guess my overall thought or question is, how can he outperform his circumstances for the rest of the season and really for the rest of his career, right? Because we, we all know the contract is going to be what it is, and he plays the most important position sure. in sports. So things are not as solid around Jared as maybe they have been in recent years. How can he get back to his Pro Bowl form? Yeah, I, I think it's just a collaboration of, you know, guys playing well around him, but then him just playing, you know, the, his game and, and, and just operating within the framework of the play. And, and sometimes the best play is taking a sack there or, you know, avoiding those turnovers. But I think, you know, you look at all the success that he's had over the last couple of years, uh, the expectations are high and, and deservingly so. And that's not something that neither he or us as coaches and players are going to run away from. I think it's a, it's a great compliment to what he's been able to do and then I think he's motivated to say all right let's look inwardly let's figure out just what can I do within the framework of my role of really raising the level of play of myself and then everybody around me and and I think a lot of that has to do with you know I've got to help out and and our coaches as well in terms of all right what are the things what are what is the plan going to be for us to execute and and ultimately win the game as a team and and that's the biggest thing and and that's what you continue to learn uh, as you accumulate experience and I'll never claim to have all the answers but I think uh, in a lot of instances especially as a younger coach when your background is on offense you're saying all right you want to score as many points well really what you want to do is let's figure out how do all three phases put together a good game plan that's conducive for us winning as a team and in some instances uh, like yesterday you know I, I do believe in a lot of senses if we just take care of the football and and really don't beat ourselves you got a better chance of winning that football game mm. than uh, you know what ended up occurring yesterday the game plan says let's go score, score 40 but 
when you play the whole game within one score and it's not that kind of night, adjusting accordingly. Exactly. All right, let's turn our attention to the defense when we continue with the Coach McVay show. Clay Matthews return to the lineup and Aaron Donald's return to Pittsburgh. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. All right, we continue with Sean McVay and those are the types of moments anytime you have a homecoming for one of your players. Unfortunately, it wasn't in a winning effort, but uh, that was special for Aaron Donald, all that he's accomplished in his career uh, to have that setting, that stage, and to come away with the safety. It was, and, and I thought he made his impact felt in a big way yesterday, uh, like he does in really almost every single game. And he brings it. Uh, I think the, the Pittsburgh fans really embraced him coming back because of the respect that he's earned. And uh, they're, they're quality football fans, and you can't help but love Aaron Donald, what he's done for that city and especially that university. And, um, you know, he played great, and he really did everything in his part to, to give us a chance to win that game. I know they love him, but they can't have him back. No, keeping they him. cannot. <laughs> yeah, lead in tackles for loss, lead in quarterback hits. Uh, he split that sack with Clay Matthews? Oh, that's not fair. Clay's lucky. Come on, Clay. Give that the man a the rush sack. by Clay, too, but yeah. Yeah, let him have his home homecoming. No doubt, but good to have Clay back too. I mean, that's another threat off the edge. It was, yeah. and, he, and he did a great job. You know, uh, had a big time sack and, and really knocked him out of field goal range on the sudden change uh, when we didn't have the fake punt work out to our favor. Uh, but he he really, you know, he's been a great player for us all year, and getting him back did provide a boost for us. And defensively, you know, there were there was a lot of big time positives for our defense yesterday, and those two stood out on a handful of instances. God, he's so intelligent versus the run. He is, you know, and, and that's where you use that experience and that factor to really just be able to say, all right, uh, how many times have I seen like concepts like this and how can I use it as a positive to, you know, to really be able to execute in, in, uh, in a timely fashion? We've been off for a few weeks. The first time we've sat down with you to talk Jalen Ramsey in yep. your early uh, evaluations of what he brings to your facility and especially your defense what do you think? Yeah, he's he's been great. You know, really smart, uh, intelligent football player. Understands big picture concepts. Uh, clearly, he's got a confidence, a swagger, and a great demeanor about himself that I think lifts the other players around us, around him. Excuse me. And um, it's been a joy to be around him. I love the way that he competes in practice. You see, when we do some competitive stuff, um, you know, he he gives himself by the way that he practices and competes a chance to get better. And that's what's so challenging about the NFL. You try to be mindful of having guys as fresh as possible with how physical these games are, but but you come out, you watch how the way that he intentionally goes about his business, and you see why he's one of the elite corners in this league because it shows up in the way that he prepares. I think Aubrey Pleasant's done an outstanding job of getting him up to speed in a, in a quick way, and um, it's been good having him. He's like from planet cornerback. I mean, long arms. He's just Yeah, he's so how lengthy. you draw him up, isn't he? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, he's playing against the receiver. And the offensive coordinator, like, I, you're not going to beat me on this route. Stop trying. You no, he I mean? does a good job. And I, and I think you could see his versatility where yesterday, you know, in a lot of instances he was moving around uh, and kind of, you know, having the ability to play some zone contours, different places on the field. And that's, that's really just a credit to the demonstration of his football knowledge overall, moving all over the formation and doing some different things that not a lot of players can really do. And, yeah. and I think that's a credit to his skill set and the versatility that he has. I don't mind the talk if you can back it up. <laughs> you know, I don't. If you can back it up. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I found myself talking about last week a couple of times that Troy Hill might be the busiest defensive back in the NFL the rest of the way because of the reputation on the other side of the field. He was tenacious, I thought, in London against Cincinnati. What did he bring in kind of game two playing opposite Jalen in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I thought uh, early on there were some plays that were made on him. What I love about Troy Hill is he continues to battle and he's unaffected by those plays early in the game and he played better as the game wore on. Uh, they made some plays on him, but but he just continues to get it fixed in, in the 
the midst of a game, and I think that shows his mental toughness, you know, the resilient mindset and mentality that he does have. He made some timely breakups, you know, towards the end of the game mm-hmm. that ended up giving the ball back for the offense, and I thought Roby, you know, got some more work than what you're accustomed to, especially because he was playing outside and in some locations, uh, but you see, you know, I, I love the play where they end up hitting the deep in-breaking route, and you see the hustle from Roby to force the fumble, and then if you watch Corey Littleton turn and get out of the stack as well, those are two great examples of, even though the first phase of the play might not always go our way, sometimes just finishing with an urgent effort, burst speed and finish, and just finding a way to violently attack the football, uh, Roby gets it out, and then Corey Littleton ends up maximizing his opportunity, picking it up on the sidelines. Another ho-hum day for Corey, 14 tackles, and a fumble, forced fumble, and a recovery. He's a baller. Wow. I mean, what else can you say about him? You can't. I mean, he, he's, he's versatile, uh, he can do everything, and, and he's really showing why he's such a valuable piece of our defense. And an eyelash away from blocking yeah, the punt. Again. Oh, he he act, yeah, I mean, you look at it, he, he got his forearm on it, and he's so smart. I mean, they changed up the way that they end up, you know, the, the punter typically ends up hitting it all a little bit different than what he did right there, and he was going for the standard approach that that punter takes to, to get that block and almost take it right off of his foot, and he still almost got there, but, uh, you know, we were just a, a little bit away from making a handful of plays yesterday. For our own benefit, as much as anything else, uh, you're trying to challenge an interception that was a change of possession, but not really, and you get dinged a timeout. Like, how did that all sort itself out? Like, what's the takeaway from that exchange? The takeaway is the accountability falls with me. So, first of all, on a change of possession, you know if they rule it a change of possession that it is going to be a reviewable play no matter what, which means that it, that limits you from being able to challenge any part of that because it already goes to booth review right there. Um, some information uh, I kind of misunderstood in terms of what was being communicated to me from the side judge. Um, and, and regardless, it's no excuse. I got to have a better ownership on that. Uh, they gave me the challenge back, but they didn't end. They, they didn't give me that timeout back. And, and that's something that um, no matter what, I got to have a better ownership on, on that. And, uh, and, and that's really what it boils down to. Hmm. And the ball wasn't tipped. The arm was hit. Right? Yeah, is that, is the, that the, the that arm was, a, was hit. It was the ball was not tipped. Correct. Okay, and it's if the ball is tipped, then pass does, interference goes away. Correct. But, Just defensive yeah. holding, but that occurred after the turnover. They called holding on Weddle when we were actually possessing the football. Ah, you oh. know, after we had possessed the football with Roby. If you look, he goes to throw a block, and and that's where that holding call ended up coming in. You know, from my understanding, but. As a result of you know that being a turnover that they reviewed, that was kind of what that that was, and and that's why the ball went where it did. Interesting. All right, we will step aside here, Demarco and I will. We're going to turn it over to our social media audience next. A week eleven edition of Audibles plus a preview of the Chicago Bears coming to town. We will see you at the Coliseum under the lights on Sunday night. Coming back on ESPN LA seven ten. All right, welcome back with DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long, the head coach of the Rams. Sean McVay sitting in with us live in Thousand Oaks. And in this Audible segment, you get a chance to ask the head coach a question. And we begin with Nathan, a timely one here, Coach. Uh, he asks, uh, can we have your take on establishing a Rams culture that thinks beyond the week-to-week or even the season-to-season judgments about what measures success in the NFL? Yeah, I, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, we're judged on wins and losses, but I also think you can learn a lot about, you know, your team and people, especially when you watch how they navigate through the inevitable adversity that any season is typically going to entail. Sometimes, you know, you have more than, than other seasons, but I think the consistency, the commitment to the core values, the types of people that you want to onboard and then their character their ability to be be connected throughout the season and really have communication that's unparalleled are some of the things that 
we want to really embody. I think you've seen that from our team. You know, when you watch us compete, even though we haven't gotten the results that we want, there's a resilient mindset and mentality. There's a belief. There's an ability to stick together, uh, not really point fingers, and just continue to battle, believe, and expect to win that football game, you know, whenever it is that we're competing. And and I think that, that ends up being beneficial. But uh, usually those core principles in terms of whatever your process, your standards are on a day-to-day basis are applicable to really applying that to the week, knowing that it's such a competitive league and, and in order to be able to accomplish your goals over the course of a season, you can't look too far ahead. You've got to stay in the moment, be where your feet are planted and produce in the present. And, and those are some things that we want to embody. Uh, certainly in the first three seasons that I've been here, this is the most adversity we face through nine games. Uh, but you also have a, have a choice in terms of how you want to look at it. Uh, you can choose to respond accordingly and there's nothing we can do about not getting it done in the Pittsburgh game. What we can do is find a way to look at that and then say, how can we use those things as an opportunity to learn? And then let's move forward with an optimistic uh, belief and expectation that's not just phony. It's about, all right, what are our solutions to try to do better uh, in our upcoming opportunity to compete against the Bears this Sunday? Nathan wants to move beyond that. Nathan, is that, is that what the, I think Nathan is, that, is just seeing the uh, forest through the trees right now, okay, which a lot of us Nathan. who follow okay. the Rams are having a hard time with in the 24 hours following the trip to just Pittsburgh. Checking. So I wanted yeah. to give him the uh, the lead question. <laughs> Our most popular question this week, this week, of course, has to do with play calling. Among the selections here, Flipper, Marcus, uh, Addy, Doug, others, where's the quick game would be one? Where's the screen game? I imagine that's specific to the running back screen game because we've yep. seen a lot of receiver screen game. And then the jet sweeps, where did they go last night? Yeah, you know, really, um, you know, it's it's a lot of times predicated on you know what are some of those defensive structures um, you know we did call a couple quick games some worked you know some didn't work out had a couple screens they did a good job you know we haven't been nearly as efficient in the screen game this year um, there, there really wasn't m- much many good takeaways from from what we ended up you know from a play selection or from an overall execution yesterday um, but but there are some certainly some times and and really each week presents a different approach in terms of wh- where do we want to prioritize those things so it is week to week but you'd like to find a way to, to get those things going in an ideal scenario and uh, I'm with you on those yeah, each game plan is different you're not going to see the same plays week in and week out right you're like not a, but yeah. you'd like to see you know some similarities in terms of some concept carryover or some of the selections in terms of the play types and you know you'd like to be able to get your screen game going because it does a variety of things it's good versus pressures it's good a way to slow the rush uh the jet sweeps is a good way of making people get stretched horizontally uh in the run game and, and defend the width of the field um you know the quick game is a good way to get the ball out of your hand so all those things have good merit uh but there are certain defense structures and then there's certain things that you say all right how do we feel about our ability to execute these plays that would say all right these are a priority or these aren't uh on any given week coach McFay show presented by in and out that's what a hamburger is all about and this segment is audibles your questions directly to the head coach of the rams uh, another kind of group effort here robert flores rj a couple others wanted to know more about kind of quick snapping and, and no huddle and i'm just going to tack on to their question now that you are mixing in more personnel groups uh, that comes at the exchange of going faster, right? Because if, if you do change personnel, that gives the defense a chance to match. So you can't have both within a given drive. That's true. You? Yeah, the, you know, that's that's a part of it. Uh, we did a handful of the quick snaps yesterday. You know, that was a, that was a big part of, of kind of what, we, what we've done, what we did yesterday. And then, you know, I would say this as much as anything. You know, you want to be able to change up your tempos, kind of like a pitcher, you know, throughout the course of a game, mixing it up, but it's not so predictable. But in order to really be able to activate it the way, 
way that you know we've had some success in years past you know you've got to consistently be more efficient on the early downs and have some drive continuity you know anytime that you go one for 14 on third down and you go oh for two on fourth you know you, you just can't get in it we just never really enabled ourselves to get into any sort of rhythm and in order to really apply pressure to a defense and be able to get those change-ups you got to stay on the field and and our inability to do that um you know was was a big part of not being able to activate some of the things that you'd like to uh credit the Steelers for doing that but you know that's that's where those things definitely come into play in terms of just sustaining drives to then be able to get plays off and you know there was a couple drives but for the most part we really didn't feel like we had any sort of rhythm and then you guys were there you know there were so many natural stoppages in the play it feels like you're sitting out there forever you know there was just really never any sort of flow uh as a result of some other things but most importantly you know it's just about what can we do better uh you know to just you know all all be a little bit better for the overall execution of our offense and the efficiency in that that's the worst three words in football right punt team get ready yeah that's four (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i mean to get stay on the field pick up first downs it gives your defense a chance to rest and it also wears them out at the same time you know it does yeah and that's and that's really you know we were we were much better on third downs and being able to sustain some things the last couple weeks prior to yesterday when you look at the Cincinnati game you look at the Atlanta game and I thought that was really helpful for the defense to have the offense sustain drives and when you just look at a winning formula around the league obviously everybody talks about the turnovers but I also think being able to say getting on and off on third downs and having some sustainability to your drives and really possessing the football uh, offensively and then limiting the amount of times that your defense is on the field as a result of them getting off the grass your offense sustaining drives and kind of short the game, you know, has been a formula when you look at some of the top teams in the league, you know, San Fran's done a great job of that this year, uh, as has New England when you just look at their, you know, their teams. Two more audibles. Michael, the next question. If you could go back and do it again, would you have spent resources differently to keep the offensive line from last season together? Yeah, I I think... um you know, I think what I don't know that you do it any differently, but I think what you do gain is is such an appreciation for how rare that continuity was. What a great job those guys did over the last couple of years, uh, and and really, you know, what a big adjustment and change it ends up being when you lose a player like Roger Saffold and John Sullivan, and how important they were to our overall success. Um, you know, and so nothing but love for those guys, and and total appreciation for what the health and the continuity of our line and how. They that contributed to our overall success uh, meant to us. To say that you would do it any different, you know, I don't think you want to look back. I think you want to just say, hey, what can we do to continue to try to improve and do better right now? Uh, but but you look back and you, and you realize how fortunate and grateful you were for what we had those first two years. And Terry helps us end on a lighter note to Audible's coach with uh, Halloween behind us. When is it appropriate to start putting up your Christmas decorations? Ooh, great question. Yeah, I, uh, I was actually talking about this with, uh, with artists earlier. I think... Uh, Right after, uh, right after Halloween is the most appropriate time. You know, as embarrassing as it is, um, you know, my fiance put up some, some good lights around the, uh, one of our trees in our yard last year and, uh, I don't think she ever took those down. So you know, <laughs> those are those are up and those are uh, Just ready, plug them ready in. to go. Ready so to our, go. our Christmas decorations are ready. Thank you, Terry, and thank you, Coach uh, DeMarco Farr and JB Long here. We will finish with a preview of the Chicago Bears coming to town with Khalil Mack and coming off a win over Detroit. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. 
All right, we turn our attention to Week 11, the Chicago Bears, coming off a 20-13 to home win over the Lions, who are without Matthew Stafford. The Bears snapping a four-game losing skid against Jeff Driscoll instead, and now they come to the Coliseum. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Have you been keeping an eye on from afar what uh, Nagy and Trubisky have been going through a little bit here in the midway point of the season? You know, I, th- I think you always have a, a pulse for the league, but, you know, especially when we've kind of gone through some ups and downs, you know, you just kind of keep your head down and go to work and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you look at the tape and you know what's going on around the league, but you try to stay kind of, uh, you know, blind to the fact of, of whatever some of the media or different things are saying, you know, because I don't like to get my feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Last year's tape, uh, do you look at that for motivation because you didn't win or just education because – you play them next. Yeah, I think a little bit of both. You know, there, there's obviously continuity on the offensive side of the ball and with their teams, but uh, defensively, you know, with, with Chuck Pagano running the defense, until you really dive into the tape, you'll say, all right, there's some similar players. I think, you know, there probably will be some carryover for what they were doing uh, from Coach Fangio, but until you really totally dive into it, which, you know, you kind of get into the early stages of that before we started here tonight, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but it, that certainly will be valuable from a personnel matchup. How much you use from a schematic, you know, will we'll be predicated on, all right, how much concept carryover are we seeing uh, from the first games that they played this year? You do know Kalomak will be coming, right? And does oh, yeah. that uh, set up as a perfect storm in terms of having some issues up front with your offensive line and retooling there against one of the best in the game? Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for us to, to answer the bell and know that it's a great defense coming in here uh, and really let's let's strategically work hard to, to find ways to you know to try to do some things that will alleviate the pressure on some newer players playing um, and then you know give them a chance to go compete and, and see what's, what it's all about. You know, He's a great player. They've got great players all over that defense. But usually any week that you're playing in this league there's always going to be some great players uh that present some matchup problems and and that's what you love about the challenge that it poses at each and every week i just heard this about lamar jackson you have to use a quarterback and a running back to get your defense ready to play a guy like him same thing for khalil mack or do you just have uh, your scout team guy your outside backer get your you're all line ready for him. Yeah, I think he's so versatile. I mean, it's hard to mimic and emulate exactly what he what he poses and presents, you know. And then on the flip side, you know, you look at it, the athleticism that, like you mentioned with Lamar, that he has is a little bit different than typically what you're accustomed to seeing from uh, from a quarterback. So he's definitely a challenge, but they're both great players in their own right. Uh, that is certainly very important to get that great look that you want uh, if those situations when you when you play those opponents arise. Knowing what you are getting from your defense currently in terms of limit- limiting what the opposing attack can do as an offensive coach and as the head coach. Does that shape your thinking in terms of putting together a game plan for a week like this? Yeah, it's it really it's about, you know, how do we collaborate offense, defense, special teams, put together a game plan that we feel like is is conducive to winning the football game. And and how do we best think that uh, serves itself is, is sometimes different based on week to week. But when the defense is playing well, you know, the goal is to try to win the football game. And I think there were some instances where when you look at yesterday in particular – um, you know, we feel like we didn't exactly execute the game plan in terms of trying to take better care of the football and not limit ourselves to letting their defense make the plays that they did that maybe would have given us a better chance. And, and you could argue that, you know, the touchdown they scored uh, was a big factor in the game, but certainly it wasn't the, the only reason that we didn't get the result we wanted, but it was definitely one of those plays that uh, was was very important and, and something that we want to try to avoid moving forward. And nine games in, there's no reason to say that all your goals are gone. What 
whatever you guys are fighting for for this season is gone. It's still out there for you. Yeah, no, I, I, there's there's still seven games left. That's a lot of football uh, to be played, and 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 really, you know, the only thing that that we know how to do is, and the only thing that we can accomplish this week is is have a great week of preparation to try to go get our sixth win. Anything else, you know, where you look further than that, it really doesn't serve you any value because so many things change. You never know what the future entails. Uh, injuries occur, and and that's where uh, we got to control what we can control, and and that's the only way that you keep your sanity. Because if you look too far ahead, you know, you get yourself out of whack, and, and it's really just about uh, you know getting ourselves back on track and playing good football, and and that's that, that's the truth. That's where our focus and concentration remains, and and that's why you you feel good whether you win or you lose to be able to have a singular focus and to go back to work and, and just know that uh, no matter what the result was that you had the previous day you got to find a way to regather yourselves and get ready because every single week entails uh, a great challenge and, and just looking at the scoreboards around the league week in and week out is, is a great representation of why that's the truth. Well keep your sanity and keep your body clock on Pacific time because no more trips to the East Coast this year. For DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Longshawn. Thanks for being with Thank us you. here on this Monday night live from Thousand Oaks and coming up next, Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. You're listening to ESPN LA 710.